You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Jesus' words is this, you don't know. It's going to be a surprise to everybody. Here's the way I put it in my notes. We will not have time to get ready. We must be ready. That is the great challenge of the Christian life, isn't it? I don't know who coined it, but they said the great challenge of the Christian life is that it is so daily. I don't want it to come on a day I'm not ready. I want to be ready. Jesus' return will come like a thief in the night. There's no way to know the day and time. At some point, it simply will be. Today, Pastor Danny reminds you of the looming inevitability of Jesus' return. A day will come when it'll happen. It may be tomorrow, or it may be long after you've lived your life, but someday he'll return. As a Christian, your responsibility is to remain prepared for that return. Strive to live every moment of your life as though Jesus is coming be in a place that you'd want him to find you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he continues his message, Are you ready for the return of Christ? Interesting to me how many places I go during COVID-19 that you can't use cash. They're already doing the chip thing. They're doing the chip thing on humans. They're experimenting now with what looks like a tattoo. It is a tattoo, but it's like your barcode. And now, just like you would scan the barcode of something you're purchasing, now, in order to pay for what you're purchasing... It might not be a chip. It could be a barcode right there on your hand, right there on your forehead. We look at it and go, I know how that would happen. They're already doing it. This is one of the most fascinating to me and the one that gets my Jesus bumps going. Prophecy in Ezekiel 38, verse 5, of a group of nations, and they are named there, and they ally themselves together against Israel. You look at every one of those nations, and every one of those nations, as we sit here in church this morning, they hate Israel. If they had their way, they'd wipe Israel off the map. And Ezekiel prophesies that these nations are one day going to come together against Israel during what's known as the Great Tribulation. For hundreds and hundreds of years since the prophecy has been given, two of the nations that are listed in verse 5 have never had a military alliance until just a few short years ago. And now Russia and ancient Persia, which is modern-day Iran, have a military alliance. And they are in league with other nations 
friends with other nations listed there in Ezekiel 38 verse 5 that hate Israel. And then you have Luke 21. I hate the COVID thing. I love the COVID thing. I hate the COVID thing. I love the COVID thing. What do you mean? Every time I think of COVID-19, I think of Luke 21, verse 11. Luke 21, verse 11. In a list of things that Jesus said, here are some things that are signs of my soon coming. And when you see all these things, Luke 21, verse 11, there'll be great earthquakes. Man, it's nothing to see another earthquake in a place you never heard of an earthquake. Famines, and here it is, pestilences. It's a pandemic. It's not the first pandemic the world has experienced. One of the worst years ago was called the bubonic or black plague. But here's the difference in COVID-19 and the black plague and others like it. This one's global. It's affecting the whole world. You talk about a message from God for the world. You talk about a sign of Jesus' soon coming. COVID-19 is a very clear one. If you got your spiritual ears on and your spiritual eyes open. Listen, I put in my notes... I know of nothing prophetically that needs to happen before the rapture of the church. And the rapture of the church marks the beginning of the Great Tribulation, and the end of the Great Tribulation, which is only seven years, is the second coming of Jesus. I don't know if the name Don Stewart means anything to you, but he goes way back in the early days of what's called the Calvary Chapel movement. Don Stewart still today is a great apologist. It means he's defend defender of the faith. He's also a a prophecy nut, and he knows a lot about prophecy. He did a message a few years ago at one of the Calvary Chapel conferences I was attending, and it's one of those messages that I actually remember. We all forget most messages we hear, but I remember Don's. He taught from Matthew chapter 13 and just two verses, verses 16 and 17. And it's Jesus' words. And here I read verse 16 of Matthew 13. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And Don talked about some of the things that I've talked about for the first few minutes of this message about prophecy being fulfilled, but he did it in light of Jesus's words to those disciples. And Jesus was saying those to those disciples, what a privilege you have to be living in the days of the coming of the Messiah, the first coming, and to be called as his disciples and to say yes, and to become a follower of the Messiah. And yet as blessed as those disciples were, what Don Stewart was used by God to show me more than ever before is how much more blessed my eyes are and my ears are. And he called his message, and it was so appropriate. Blessed are our eyes. Do you realize the day we're living in? Do you realize how close we are to the rapture of the church? 
and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I can tell we're so close, you're just jumping up and down with excitement inside. Okay, I have a question for you. In light of what we covered so far, how close are we, really? Harold Camping, I wasn't really looking for an actual response, you know. When a pastor asks that, he's not really looking for a real response. Harold Camping, he was an American Christian radio broadcaster, author, and evangelist. A few short years ago, he made predictions for the end of the world and the second coming of Jesus Christ. His first was September the 6th, 1994. Well, that date didn't work out, so he revised it to September the 29th. Didn't happen then either. He then made it October the 2nd. Later, he said it would be May the 21st, 2011. <clears throat> Wish he was right, because that's my birthday. He was so sure of this date that his radio ministry pumped tons of money and resources toward a huge publicity campaign. It prompted tremendous ridicule from atheist organizations as well as rebuttals from Christian organizations. May 21st came and went, and Camping said he believed a spiritual judgment occurred on May 21st and that the rapture would now occur on October the 21st, 2011. That date passed, nothing happened, and the mainstream media then labeled Camping a false prophet. Here's the good news to that story. Before his death, Camping admitted in a private interview that he no longer believed anybody could know the time of the rapture or the end of the world. In March 2012, he stated that his attempt to predict a date was sinful and that his critics had been right in emphasizing Matthew 24, 36, where Jesus said, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son but only the Father. Back to our text, 1 Thessalonians. Harold Camping should have read 1 Thessalonians now, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. You back that up with the full words that Jesus said recorded in Matthew 24, verse 36. But let me read you the whole section. No one knows about that day around, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And catch this, they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Pause on that. They knew nothing. It's not because... Somebody wasn't warning them. Somebody wasn't telling them. For 120 years, Noah was warning the world, judgment is coming. And he was inviting them. All you got to do is get in the boat, get in the ark. The ark is Christ. For 120 years, the world had an opportunity. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Catch verse 40. 
Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. The other left. That sounds like the rapture. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken. The other left. That's a rapture. Verse 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, it's very personal to me. Why? Let me read it and tell you. He would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. That verse is so interesting to me because some days I'm going, maybe it's today. And then I realize, if I think it's today, it's not today. Years ago, it was on a Wednesday night. My wife and I were driving separately to the church service. I left. She left after me. Both of us talked later and noticed four men, young men, walking down our street. We didn't recognize them. Long story made short, they were going down the street through the neighborhood, breaking into houses, and they were stealing especially computers. We got home, found the back window of the door knocked out. They broke in our house. Didn't take a lot, but took my laptop, took my son's $50. I wish I'd have known they were coming. If I had known, I'd have still gone to the church service, but I would have had somebody stay at the house. I would have talked to one of my policeman buddies and said, hey, could you come hang out at my house while I'm at church tonight? I think somebody's going to rob us. You say, well, how could you know that? Well, I didn't. And so our house got broken into. The point of Jesus' words is this. You don't know. It's going to be a surprise to everybody. Here's the way I put it into my notes. We will not have time to get ready. We must be ready. That is the great challenge of the Christian life, isn't it? I don't know who coined it, but they said the great challenge of the Christian life is that it is so daily. I don't want him to come on a day I'm not ready. I want to be ready. But he tells me he's coming when I don't expect him. So how am I going to be ready? You've got to always be ready. Oh, that's a tall challenge, isn't it? But he tells us how. He does? Yeah. Let's close it out. First Thessalonians. Chapter 5, he tells us how to be ready. Verse 4, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You'll be surprised, but you shouldn't be caught by surprise. You're all sons of the light and sons of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. That's the second time he says that. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate, the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, the great tribulation, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, rapture. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. Again, the teenagers talking this past week about the rapture of the church. You know what they're doing? They're encouraging one another. They're building one another up. There are three things he says. We close with these. Don't be like others. Spiritually asleep, 
spiritually drunk. The condition just suggests that they're, they're not sensitive, they're not ready, and so they can't respond properly because they're not ready. Don't be like others. Be alert. We just read it in Matthew 24, keep watch, keep watch. It's a, it's a perfect present imperative. I think that's the way they say it in the Greek. In other words, it's, it's to be 24-7. Now, I found a verse that I think helps us on this one. And here's the verse. Now, I want you to be alert and to show that you're alert, say this with me. You ready? Here we go. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That was good enough to read one more time. You ready? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so I think about that when I'm fishing. You study the Gospels, there's one thing you know about Jesus. He's a fisherman. He knows where the fish are. I want Jesus in my boat. I also want him because I've been in storms out in the Gulf of Mexico, and you want Jesus in the boat when you're in a storm. Guys that are my main fishing buddies, we've been fishing together for years, and we know each other well enough that, that we needle one another. You're on my boat, you, know, you don't get needled, it means we don't like you. We make fun of one another. You know, a guy catches the big grouper of the day, and we, he, we hear that story for years. But then you hear the good stories, too. You hear that, oh, man, and, and here's the kind of things you'll hear on my boat when the big grouper and the rod bends, and you're like, oh, hallelujah. That's the kind of things we say. You hear some guys on a bad day, not on my boat, but, but I've heard it when I've been on other people's boats, non-Christians, Jesus Christ. What? What an awful thing to say. What a blasphemous thing to say. Well, it's because they don't have God in their lives. They don't know Jesus. When you know Jesus, look, you take him with you fishing. I've not been the perfect husband and father, but I've come a long way. <laughs> and even when I'm in my imperfection, my kids will tell you, every time we went on vacation, we took God with us. My kids will tell you, we got up in the morning and I gathered them together and we read scripture together. And we pray and we thank the Lord for the opportunity to be on vacation. We thank the Lord for the money he provided for us to be able to go on vacation. My kids will tell you that. We took God with us on vacation. I think about this verse, and I have a video in my mind. It keeps replaying. I'm in Hartsville, South Carolina, my hometown. They built the first Hardee's. That was a big deal. We didn't have restaurants. You want to go to Hardee's, you got to drive 24 miles to Florence. Now we got a Hardee's. And so I'm in Hardee's. I'm not living for the Lord, but I look over. Elderly black man, remember it, it's a video in my mind. He's by himself, he sits down with his tray and his cheeseburger and his fries and his Coke. And before he begins to indulge, he bows his head, he folds his hands. I'll never forget it. Don't ever eat a meal without thanking God for the meal. Take God with you everywhere you go, in everything you do. That's how you keep watch. Then there's nothing you want to be doing that's not glorifying to God so that when he comes, the rapture of the church takes place, and it's going to happen when you don't expect it. Try to make yourself go, I don't expect him to come today. I don't expect him to come today. Be alert. 
Then he says twice, be self-controlled. My goodness, I could spend a lot of time on this one because there's scriptures everywhere. You go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 4. Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable. Self-control. Titus, Paul writes and he says, as we look for the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we ought to live upright, self-controlled, godly lives. Second Peter, Peter writes and he says, add to your faith, self-control. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I beat my body, I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself would not become a castaway. Then he goes beyond just the body, physical self-control. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we're to take captive every thought. Boy, this is a daily challenge, isn't it? And he writes such practical things in places like Philippians 4, verse 8. And he lists all these godly things, and he says, think about these things, things that are pure and holy and right. Garbage in, garbage out. I thought of Pastor Viv Laird. He told me about a couple of times that Christians had recommended these movies to him, and he goes to see the movie, and he comes back to me and he says, bro, bro. He was surprised that a Christian would recommend the movie. And he says, bro, why would I go to something like that? And here's what he would say, soil my soul. Made me think of the verse that our whole body, mind, soul, and spirit be kept blameless until the day of Christ. Take captive every thought. Don't let the garbage in because it's garbage in, garbage out. I don't have the time, but in the last part of Matthew 24, after he says to believers, keep watch. You know how he ends it? He says, some will say, my master's a long time in coming, and they'll begin to live for self and live like the world. And he says the master's going to come on a day They don't expect him. And he says about those who are unprepared, he's going to assign them a place with the hypocrites where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ooh, that sounds like hell. That sounds like they weren't truly saved. Being unprepared could be a sign that you're not really saved. I beg you, I beg you as I close this service, I beg you, if you don't have the assurance that you've been born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you settle that today. Well, let's end it for believers. Say this, and really, I'm done if you'll say this with me. You ready? And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed at him. It's coming. Don't answer out loud. Don't, don't even make a noise, but just, are you ready? Some Christians aren't ready. Something in your life, some habit, something displeasing to the Lord, that if the rapture were to take place today, you're not ready. But you can be. If you're willing to repent. If you're willing to confess and turn from whatever it is that's displeasing to the Lord, would you do that? You're here with us. You're watching by live stream. Make a decision today that you'll be glad you did when you stand before Jesus. Forever, we come
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently. But He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.